Hey, the Razorback football team added a guy that's really good and hopefully helps the team out immediately. But he's from Missouri. Ooh. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Tuesday, and I want to say how proud I am and how happy I am that we have a new sponsor here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. It is FanDuel. The episode, of course, is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Really excited about adding them on and really excited about some of the things that are going on right now in Razorback sports. We'll talk some basketball here in a bit, as well as uh, some questions that have been posed to me dealing with the Razorback basketball team. But uh, I wanted to mention the uh, tremendous get by Arkansas over the weekend. I was trying or was going to at least mention it in the previous podcast, but because of all the stuff that we had going on and what we were talking about, you never really a chance to, to dive into it. But it was a nice little addition to Arkansas that happened in the transfer portal where they landed Missouri defensive lineman Trajan Jeffcoat, which is kind of a cool name. I hope I'm saying it right. Uh, but he went public with his decision. He's six foot four, 269 pounds, and he's a senior from South Carolina. And he was initially expected to choose South Carolina prior to visiting the Razorbacks over the weekend. But once he visited the Razorbacks, he decided, yeah, I don't want to go to South Carolina and play for Shane Beamer. Don't blame him. Uh, Jeff Cote, though, who reportedly expected to remain at Missouri through the spring, he's now joining the Razorbacks immediately this semester. So even though they thought he would join South Carolina, they also thought that he was going to wait until after the spring semester. But nope, he is joining the Razorbacks right now. He will have one year of eligibility remaining at Arkansas. He has a, a total, or Arkansas has a total now of 10 scholarship transfers. Uh, so they keep adding guys into the mix. And this is what I thought was fascinating about Jeff Coat and knowing that he's been around the SEC for quite some time. He was a three star defensive end prospect coming out of high school. And even 247sports.com listed him as a two star prospect. And this is all coming from Hawk Sports. And he, uh, you know, kind of saw, tried to find some places to go and ended up uh, Missouri was the place. He ended up going. So in 2018, he saw action in all 13 games. He had seven tackles and one quarterback sat in his freshman year in 2018. Sophomore year, he redshirted that year, didn't play. Now, as a redshirt sophomore in 2020, this is what's interesting. He was on the academic honor roll, but he was first team all SEC selection by both the Associated Press and the coaches. He recorded 23 tackles, six tackles for loss, six sacks, seven quarterback hurries, and a forced fumble, and six sacks that led the team and six tackles for for loss ranked third on the squad recorded six sacks and six of recorded sacks in six of 10 games and had a career eye five tackles and one sack versus Arkansas. Of course, why not? But uh, had a really great year there in 2020 so much so that he was first team all sec. Now the next year in 2021, he's a redshirt junior. Uh, he was the sec defensive lineman of the week in week 12 started all 13 games had 34 tackles, 23 of which were solo, had 10 tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, and was tied with the team with four quarterback hurries. And then last year, Richard Senior, he saw action in all 12 games, making 10 starts, and uh, has appeared for the Tigers 47 times in his career, but he only finished with 21 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, and a sack. 
He made three tackles and a half tackle for loss against Auburn and uh, also had a sack against Georgia and three tackles against Kentucky. So basically what it looks like for him is that they went from 2020 having an all-SEC type of performance to where a little bit less in 2021 and a little bit less in 2022. So if people are looking at that and they're seeing it, they're like, oh, no, that's terrible. Why would they want to hire this guy or why they want to bring this guy in where it seems like he's gotten worse and worse and worse at a place like Missouri? Why would you want to get him in there? Well, you know, there's a lot of different answers to that question or at least a lot of different things that people can look at. And for me, it's a matter of just adding depth. As we know, there's certain position groups that need more depth than others. You need depth at all the positions, but defensive line is definitely one where you can never have too many. You can never have too much depth at the defensive line, the way that they're running around, the way they're having to substitute in the way that uh, injuries are happening. And with Arkansas, they lost uh, some key defensive linemen this past year, getting as much as you possibly can when it comes to depth is crucial. So getting a guy like Jeff Coat, where I don't know if he's going to be exactly a uh, perennial starter the second he walks through the door and ends up being all SEC like he was in 2020. I don't know that. But again, you got a guy with plenty of SEC experience who's had success in the SEC and has shown that he has the capability of being that next level player. And to just kind of put it all into perspective as far as whatever how everything went down, I'm like, well, he came on there as, as a Barry Odom kid when Barry Odom was at Missouri. And then Eli Drinkwitz kind of took over. And I saw someone make the joke that was like, well, that's why he's got worse every year is because Eli Drinkwitz is coaching him, which I kind of laughed at. But still, uh, there's, a, there's a lot to be proven by him and uh, what he is going to bring to the team. But it, it goes back to just building that depth. And I like that you're able to have guys that have SEC experience because at the wide receiver position, for instance, they've added some guys who have a lot of reasons for people to be excited about them and had a lot of offers to other SEC schools, but they don't have necessarily that big-time SEC experience. You know, last year when you added guys out of the portal, a lot of them were SEC guys. And if they weren't SEC guys, they were from high-level college places. You know, you added a guy from, of course, Georgia, a couple of them from LSU, a guy from Bama, and then you had also a guy from Oklahoma and Jaden Hazelwood. You had a guy from Georgia Tech and Jordan Dominic. Like, you were adding some guys from different schools where it was at least SEC or uh, still power five. And this year you've had a few of those, but overall it's been a lot of uh, guys from smaller colleges that are going to be, you know, coming in and uh, having to, to prove themselves to be able to play at this type of level. Now people can take that forever, however they want. Like some people are going to look at this and say, okay, well, I'm not satisfied with the way that they've handled the portal because these are players that aren't from big time colleges and just doesn't seem like it's going to translate or have, we have no reason to believe that it's going to translate, and so why should I be excited about that? And I think there's something to be said. You know, you like having name recognition when it comes to the players that come to uh, from the portal into your school, and you're, if they came from a big-time school or at least a place where they played high-level competition, you may feel a little bit more comfortable as far as them coming right in. But my counter-argument to that would be is when you add some players into the mix from smaller schools and from smaller colleges and from colleges that may not even been D1 and may not have had the pomp and circumstance of what you would have at an SEC school or anything like that, the positive spin that you can put on that is the fact that these guys are going to come in extremely hungry to prove themselves. They're not going to be divas. They're not going to say, you know, like, oh, well, you know, I don't do that. I'm just I'm just waiting to get drafted. This is just a little like there. No, I'm not saying that there are players like that that did that in Arkansas. I'm just saying you don't have to worry about any of those personality traits or those attitudes. 
in a lot of cases, these could be guys and might be guys and probably will be guys that, hey, I didn't have those opportunities to play at a big time school. I didn't have those opportunities to play at a place where I was on TV all the time. And now I have that chance. Now I have that opportunity where the facilities are through the roof. The, the way that the support system set up is incredible. Like all of these things makes these guys want to prove themselves even more. So they're going to come in and they're going to work really, really hard to make it happen. That's what I like about that aspect. Now, the talent's got to come along with it, of course. Like, you could be the hardest working dude out there. Like, I could go in and work really hard at the U of A if I got a chance to play football. It doesn't mean I'm going to be great at it. So there obviously has to be talent and a skill set that comes along with it. But I just like that they're adding a good mixture of guys that are proven, some guys that are unproven at the SEC level. And I think that because of the additions that they're making and addressing some of the needs and some of the depth issues that they've had, it could be something that it works out really well for Arkansas. And an exciting thing, too, and I want to go ahead and tease this just because I know that uh, at least I haven't confirmed at this point in time, but uh, Isaac Tesla, hope I'm saying his name. I keep talking about his name. He's actually going to be joining me here on this podcast on Thursday. So I'm really excited about that and bringing him on and, and being able to talk to him about it here on the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. So. Uh, but yeah, Arkansas continues to try to add some players. They had a really good uh, prospect week or uh, prospect day, however you want to uh, look at it for Saturday. And a lot of different players came out uh, in a very positive way. It's all from uh, wholehogsports.com and Richard Davenport, too. Uh, it talks about uh, Tion Gray, who came in. He's a he's a, a big-time defensive lineman, a junior defensive lineman. He has offers for Arkansas, Tennessee, Oregon, uh, a bunch of different places there, too. He was really excited about it. He had freshman defensive back. Blaine Bradford out of a Baton Rouge, Louisiana Catholic offers to LSU, Tennessee, A&M, Florida State, Mississippi State. And he was really impressed with that, impressed with the coaches and everything. Uh, former uh, Fort Smith Southside junior offensive lineman Kobe Branham uh, also enjoyed his visit at Arkansas. He uh, was recently offered by A&M and was asked to uh, take a visit to Arkansas, uh, to which he did. So he, he was really impressed by the coaches. You had uh, 2025 quarterback Grayson Wilson also visited. He's out of Central Arkansas, Kirsten, CAC, as uh, offers from Illinois and Central Arkansas at this point in time, but is also an outstanding pitcher. So maybe that's a, uh, a double doozy there, too. Uh, you had an athlete, Brandon Mason, 6'5", 240 for 2024. Uh, apparently he was uh, out of St. Louis, and he was really happy with what has been going on there, too. And uh, Keenan Jones, a freshman defensive back out of St. Louis as well. He has offers from Arkansas, Missouri, Tennessee, and Nebraska, as well as other schools. So a lot of different prospects coming in. They're still trying to get it done on the recruiting trail, still trying to make that work, still trying to move forward with it as best as possible. But either way, there's reasons to be excited, and there's reasons to, to feel good about it, and they still got some work to do in the portal and adding some depth uh, to this team. But every person they've added has addressed a need, and some of them I think there's a lot of potential, and some of them I feel like they can come in right away and help out tremendously. So uh, just got to keep building, got to keep putting things together, I like the coaching staff too. And you know, you have to replace both coordinators, but I think people are happy with the results so far. So just keep working at it, keep moving at it, and hopefully it ends up playing out. Uh, we'll talk some Razorback basketball because uh, there's a lot there that we need to discuss with their matchup against LSU here in just a second. But folks, got to tell you about FanDuel, our newest sponsor here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. The NFL playoffs are here and we're really excited about it, right? They're a partner now of Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many different features to make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed. 
when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props and so much more. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a bigger chance of winning and the bigger payout with the same gay parlay. Like this weekend, I know that uh, there's a lot of people out there that are going to be looking at the NFL games and the playoffs, NFC and AFC championship games. Those are going to be some good matchups there too. Spreads are pretty small, pretty slim, but you know that's always going to be changing and moving. Let FanDuel help you out with that as well. All on that app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose. At FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL, as well as the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so moving on with the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, uh, Razorback basketball is going to be uh, getting ready to roll against the uh, mighty LSU Tigers or something like that. But either way, this is a, a game that Arkansas should win. They're a better team than LSU, and that's what sucks is that LSU has one conference win, and it happens to be against Arkansas at the beginning of the season. It was a really annoying game in that first matchup, too. I was, uh, for those of you who don't remember, and maybe you don't remember too much about it, but uh, they played each other the same day that Arkansas played in the Liberty Bowl. And so some of us got to watch the Liberty Bowl, and then, of course, it went late. By the time I got back to the hotel and I had a chance to watch it there in Memphis, uh, it was uh, pretty much at the end of the game. Didn't get to see a whole lot, but definitely one of the most frustrating games Arkansas had where they just didn't score. In the first half, they only had 19 points, Arkansas did, and they scored 38 points in the second half, which was better, but they fell short 60 to 57. And so just, again, a lot of frustrations. That was the game where Arkansas shot 16% from three. Ooh. Uh, as well as 37% from the field, woo, and 50% from the free throw line, woo. So everything was bad for Arkansas. LSU and Arkansas turned the ball over the same amount of times, had 10 turnovers. Uh, Arkansas out-rebounded LSU 44 to 39. Arkansas had two less assists than uh, what LSU had, but Arkansas also had more steals. Arkansas had more blocked shots. And the foul total was about dead even. Both teams combined. This was what was crazy. Both teams combined only committed uh, 27 fouls combined. So that's why it was such a quick, fast-moving game. Uh, also, uh, Jordan Walsh had 13 points, shot 6 of 14. You had Devo Davis go 7 of 18. It was a good game from him. Shot 2 of 8 from 3. Too many threes. I was thinking about this game. Too many threes. They shot 25 threes and made four of them. That ain't that ain't getting it done. Ricky Council also went 5 of 19. You had two, three players that played all 40 minutes in black, Council and D Davis. Makai um, Mitchell played 36 minutes. He had 8 points. And Jordan Walsh played 32 minutes. So you're talking about Jalen Graham had three minutes, Kamani Johnson seven minutes, and Joseph Pinion had two minutes. Nobody from the bench was able to come in and, and do anything, and no points were scored from the bench. Now, LSU, uh, again, got the win, and you can't uh, hate on them for it or anything like that. But since that point in time, they've lost six straight games. They lost to Kentucky on the road, AM on the road, Florida at home, at Bama, Auburn at home, and Tennessee at home. Now, granted, I'll be honest about it. That's a brutal schedule to start. Like your worst team that you played was Florida and all the other ones that you played are tournament teams. Uh, so that, that is pretty brutal. They lost by 40 to Alabama on the road. They lost by 20 to Auburn. They lost by 20 to LSU or to Tennessee. They lost by 13 to A&M. They only lost by three to Kentucky. 
and then they lost by 11 to Florida. So you get a chance now after playing Ole Miss and winning that game, who they were terrible, you have a chance to, to play an LSU team that is also really bad. You have to win this game. You have to win it at home. And uh, you know, part of the deal was, too, is that uh, Justice Hill, a former kid from Arkansas, the state of Arkansas, that is, uh, is on this team or was on this team, but there's something weird going on there where he's not part of the team right now. I'm, I'm not sure the details of it, but he's not going to be traveling. So just a, a frustrating game that it was last time, and now you got a new game and a new type of mentality as a team because you think about it, that was about a month ago when Arkansas to, and LSU played each other. And at that point in time, think about what's changed. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but it's definitely going to be a really physical game, and it was against LSU before, and that's what was so surprising to see the least amount of foul calls in a game in the SEC play that Arkansas had. And I think the Razorback players are expecting it. They say that, uh, you know, Devo said it's going to be a dogfight. Hopefully they come ready to play because it's going to be a war. We're going to be ready. That's all I can say. And uh, there was a lot of uh, things that were put up in the locker room and uh, about uh, a comment that was made by, or a tweet, I guess it should be, was made by uh, one of the LSU players where he says, this was back in December 30th. So after Christmas, uh, century of the bowl game. And uh, he says, quote, when we Fayetteville, we in Fayetteville next time, bring y'all smoke because we're going to run through it. So he was talking some trash along with it. And so I don't know who did it, but somebody at the U of A or in the basketball program printed out that tweet and put it around all in the office. So this one's going to be this one could have a chance to get really nasty. And there's a lot of person, personal uh, type of vendettas that's going to be here between these two teams because of that. But. Uh, just as far as the matchup goes itself, though, Arkansas, again, is the better team across the board. Uh, they, I think Arkansas, yeah, like this is it's crazy. According to FanDuel, Arkansas is favored by 13 points in this game. So that, that should tell you a lot. Uh, not to say that means it's a win, but Arkansas is averaging 12 more points per game offensively. They're giving up uh, two less points per game. Arkansas shooting five percentage points more from, from the field. They out-rebound. They out-assist, they out-block, and they out-steal. So pretty much all the major stats Arkansas this year does a much better job at. And uh, I just I feel like this is this is where it's going to start going to where you can start feeling better about it and the way that Arkansas is going to have to turn it on and really get to playing well. You can't lose this game and lose all the momentum that you may possibly be able to have and be able to put forth. But I think that uh, this is about as good as you can ask and about a good of a matchup that you could have to try to continue to get back on track in that way too. Uh, we'll close up shop and get ready for a question about Trevin Brazil, actually, that somebody posed to me, uh, actually a few people posed to me via Twitter here in just a second. But stay with us here on the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so final segment here on the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Got asked about Trevin Brazil because he had this video. that I retweeted it, actually. Uh, he's put out a few things as far as his development and, and getting back, but um, he put out a video saying three weeks post-op, never felt better, and it was him working out and just doing uh, various exercises and everything, just trying to rehab and get back to the point to where he uh, needs to be. Uh, I know that it's a serious enough injury where he's going to be out you know, six to eight months uh, from when the injury occurred, so he's still got quite a ways to go in the rehab and the, in the process of him getting back to normal. But the question that you and so many of you at least have asked is about uh, the situation with Brazil. Is he going to come back to Arkansas next year or is he going to move on 
to the NBA? That's the ultimate question, honestly. And I think that there's not really a set in stone answer for it, at least at this point in time. Things could change. And I know that's probably a, a cop out answer for some of you to hear, but it's true. Things can change and there are things that could develop. But I am just going to be honest about my gut feeling. I have no inside knowledge. I have no reason to say, well, yeah, this is for sure what's going to happen because this is what I know. I'm not that way because I'm not some um, journalist. But I will say that if I'm going off of my gut feeling, I feel like he's probably going to move on. He's probably going to go to the NBA and try his hand at going to the NBA. And honestly, I don't blame him for doing that. You know, he wants to take that next step. And, um, you know, sometimes that happens in the sports world. And sometimes you players want to do that and try to go through uh, different processes and go through, you know, the combine and through, you know, with an agent and just kind of guiding them in the best way possible to try to get them on the court and making that next step, especially with the amount of potential that Trevin Brazil has. I would think and I would assume he's going to move on from not only Arkansas, but just from college altogether and try to go pro. That's my reckless assumption. Now, let me be clear in saying that I would love nothing more for him than to come back to Arkansas for another year because you saw how much potential he has, his freakish athleticism, his ability to hit three-pointers, his ability to uh, to block shots, just a, a complete and total package. Like He has so much going for him. It would be so great to have him back on the Razorback roster next year. But just knowing how college basketball is, sometimes it's it's really hard to say one way or another as far as what he is going to do or who is he going to be. So, um, But that was a question I was posed. That's how I feel. I hope I'm wrong. Like I hope he comes back. I'd be awesome for Arkansas if he came back. But I also understand if you wanted to move on and to uh, you know decide, hey, I want to move on with my career and, and try my hand at the next level and the next step. So. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. But he's going through rehab. It looks like it's going really well. Wish him nothing but the best of luck. And hopefully it continues on. And he uh, has good, cool, updated videos to show how the progress is moving along for him. Because I know Razorback Nation is behind him and hoping that he gets uh, healthy and back to where he needs to be for sure. Appreciate everybody listening in to Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors. For any questions, comments, concerns that you may have, We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then.